Hello and welcome to worship this morning. My name is Lauren Christenberry and I have had the honor of serving on staff here at First Methodist Mansfield as well as one of your pastors for almost seven years now. Uh, and I am so thankful to be here with each and every one of you today. Today marks my last weekend uh, here as a pastor with First Methodist Mansfield as I have been appointed uh, to Keller United Methodist Church. Uh, I told myself I am done being proud. Saturday night, struggled a little bit more than I thought I would, so I've got these ready to go. Uh, I'm so glad to be here. I will be at Keller United Methodist Church and my husband and I recently got married and got a house and uh, when we had found our perfect, perfect house is when I got a call that they're like, hey, you're going to Keller. And I was like, awesome, I just got a house in Arlington. Uh, so my commute, I say it's 30, my husband says it's 40. Regardless, I have all of your phone numbers, so don't you worry, we will stay in contact because I have two 40 minute commutes every day. And odds are the last one coming back down 820, I think, that I don't even know. Uh, there's gonna be crazy traffic. So I probably have like a 12 hour commute each day really. So we'll have plenty of time uh, to talk with each other. As I prepared uh, my final message or my uh, farewell address for you all today, I typed up several different manuscripts ranging from things uh, that included the great commissioning to uh, the lyrics of the beautiful Whitney Houston, I will always love you. Uh, and this just, this was one of the hardest message, messages that I've ever written for obvious reasons of how does one give a proper thanks uh, in a semi-appropriate amount of time that still gets you out of here for lunch to a large group of people who may or may not realize how much they in fact have done for me. This message was also hard as Pastor Jim has shared or reminded us at our uh, dear friend, mother, sister, wife, and mentor and disciple passed away this past Thursday. Since Thursday, I have said several times that Amanda Ferguson has lost her battle to cancer. And every time I said this statement, it didn't feel right that Amanda Ferguson had lost her battle to cancer. Because if you know her, you in fact know Amanda has never lost anything in a day of her life. Friday, I sat with my husband as he played for me a song that he wrote for Amanda. And one of the lyrics goes like this, today is your new day because you have finally won. When I heard him sing these lyrics, this is when I not only felt all the tears I had been holding back, but I felt an overwhelming amount of peace that Amanda has finally won and today she sits at the feet of Jesus. And so before I continue on with this message, I would love uh, to lift up Amanda's family and her life in a time of prayer, or her husband Shane and her two sons Brody and Brandon. So if you would, will you please join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, we come to you today.
as we not only mourn with heavy hearts, but we celebrate the beautiful, faithful life of our dear friend, mother, sister, daughter, wife, disciple, Amanda. God, we thank you for the example that she has set before us in the ministry that she has started here today. Welcoming in so many families, leading people to your feet, God, that the world so often turns away from. God, we thank you for the heart that she showed us and the love that she taught us. And today we come here and we lift up her family, her husband Shane and her two children, Brody and Brandon. God, we ask that you comfort them in times of sadness. That if and when anger and questions arise, you give them your peace. And lastly, we just ask that you help us to not only be the church that they need us to be for them, but to be the church that fiercely carries out Amanda's mission for this world. We thank you for her life. We thank you for her family. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I've been talking to Amanda a lot since Thursday as I tried to figure out this message. I knew what I wanted to say, but I didn't exactly know how to say it. And that's when I recalled a passage of scripture that I knew I would use to tell my story. So today we're gonna be um, in Acts chapter nine, which is on page 1705 in the Blue Bibles. And we're also gonna be a little bit in 1 Corinthians 15, which is on page 1787. Now I'm not gonna directly read anything, I'm just gonna kinda share with you the story that we have today. We're gonna start in Acts chapter nine, And to rather quickly sum this up, we are greeted by a man named Saul. Now when I say the term greeted, I use that kind of loosely because I'm not sure Saul is one to just greet uh, Christians in his day. But Saul was a man that was constantly breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And one day Saul journeyed to Damascus looking for more disciples to take in as prisoners. And on his journey, Saul heard a voice and immediately fell to his knees. The voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you have been persecuting. Now go into the city and you will be told what you must do. There were men traveling with Saul who stood there speechless as they had seen this man fall to the ground, as they had heard him cry out, but they did not hear this voice that Saul was hearing. It was then that Saul stood up and could see nothing but darkness. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. 
And so when Paul arrived in Damascus, he was to meet a man named Ananias. And Ananias received a vision from the Lord saying that he was to go out. He was to find Paul, or Saul, getting ahead of myself. He was to find Saul and he was to heal him. He was to give him his sight back. And Ananias, not really understanding why the Lord would want to heal someone that continuously persecuted his people. He went out just as the Lord told him to do. And he healed him. He found Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road came to me and asked me to come and heal you to fill you again with the Holy Spirit. It was then that scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see. He got up, he was baptized, and shortly after, as I have already spoiled, it changed his name to Paul as a symbol of a new beginning. So here we have this man who for years of his life persecuted everything that the church stood for, everything that Jesus stood for, and persecuted its people. One day he fell to his knees and was blind, but then it was not without help. Ananias came along, pursuing a calling the Lord had placed on his life. As much as he fully understood it or not, he healed Saul and Saul was able to see again. And then we fast forward to 1 Corinthians 15. Now this is about 17 years or so after what we had just talked about in Acts. This is when Paul is on his ministry to spread the gospel, to build up churches, to share the good news of Jesus. And so in 1 Corinthians, we have Paul at the church of Corinth. Paul is passionate about preaching the gospel, but it is in verse nine of chapter 15, we see Paul state, for I am the least of the apostles. Paul says, I do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Now, if you would, I'd like to time travel back a little bit uh, to October, 2011. I don't know uh, if any memories come up for you, if that month means anything significant for you. Uh, But for me, it was when I began my ministry here at First Methodist Mansfield. I was a sophomore in college, having recently transferred home from UNT after realizing that Denton, Texas just was not the place for me. And I began attending TCC until I figured out where exactly I wanted to go. I knew, I knew what I needed to do, that I was gonna pursue a career in physical therapy, but I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to get there. And it was one day uh, that my friend, Pastor Johnny, offered me a job here. For some reason, he thought that I would be a perfect fit here. But really, I thought as a broke college kid that paycheck would be a perfect fit in my wallet. I quickly accepted the job, which included working for people and with people whom I quickly grew to love. Having all the fun that you probably wouldn't have in a normal job. And being in student ministries, you always do this beautiful act of tiptoeing the line of what can actually be called work. I never imagined myself in a career in ministry, 
But working in the church was never out of the question. You see, my father uh, was a pastor from before I was born up until I was about 19 or 20 years old. We were uh, in the ELCA Lutheran Church all of my life. And as I said, my, my father was, was my pastor all my life. And so I never really even considered that as an option because my dad was a pastor. My dad was the pastor. That was my dad's job, not really something that I could or would ever do. And I continued this thought process uh, in my time of working here. And I remember it was about four years or so into my time here, people began asking me, so when are you gonna make this a forever thing? When are you gonna stop chasing this thing and do what's right in front of you? And I thought that those people were crazy. I mean, I could, I could lead a game, I could talk to people, uh, but this idea of a pastor that I had in my head was not something that I ever, ever thought that I was or could be. You see, unfortunately growing up, um, I was the perfect definition of a rebellious pastor's daughter. And to this day, I am still apologizing for the early growth of gray hair that I have caused my father. But then I came here and I met people like each and every one of you in this room with me today. I met people who saw something in me that I had never seen in myself. I met people and built deep relationships that I quickly trusted. And you spoke into my life. And I may have not necessarily heard you at first, but you spoke until I heard. Paul and I's story may not be identical, but Paul and I both came from a place of brokenness and hurt and confusion of where we're supposed to be in this world. Paul was blind and Ananias came along. I was blind and first Mansfield came along. You took me in when, when I was not who I was called to be and you loved me through all of it. You laid your hands on me. You prayed for me. You listened to me. And you've shared your life with me. And for that, I am forever grateful. And now because of each and every one of you in these pews today, I can see again. It is here that I have found my calling in this world. It is here that I have found my husband. It is here that I have found my forever family and friends. It is here that I have traveled to Africa and India and gotten so disgustingly ill and yet for some reason want to go back. It is here that I have sat beside you and your family through the passing of a loved one. It is here that I have had the honor of celebrating marriages with so many of you. It is here that some of us have found ourselves waist deep in freezing cold water experiencing the cleansing of a baptism. 
It is here that I have found mentors and it is here that I have had the honor of being called a mentor. And it is because of you that I have the courage to take this next step to where God is calling me. Yesterday morning, my mom tagged me in a Facebook post and I was sharing this last night with Saturday night and I always get a little weary when I see that Lori Ropkin has tagged you in something. Uh, you never exactly know what it is, but it happens at least 700 times a day. So I told Saturday night last night that I every day think about unfriending her, but then every once in a while she comes in with some really good tags. And when I said that last night, I, after service, checked my phone and she was like, love you, I'm so proud of you, but don't you ever unfriend me. I was like, oh, I guess she was watching online. But so she tagged me in this video that was this woman and it said something on the top about coffee. And if you know me and my relationship with coffee, you, you know I love coffee. I have too many coffee t-shirts with, with probably some cats and coffee sayings on them to count. I talk about coffee constantly. I have too many coffee mugs to even fit into our shelves in our house. Uh, and if you know me before coffee, I'm sorry. Uh, you might be like me. If pre-coffee manners, I'm gonna create a community Facebook group. Uh, we will encourage one another to find um, growth and development in that. So this woman, I saw this video uh, and her story sounded very similar to mine. I thought this was my mom uh, telling me that my pre-coffee manners still needed some work. So this woman, she's in a coffee shop and she's in line and uh, she gets up to the, to the barista and she orders three different espresso drinks. I was like, that's my kind of girl because they were all for her. And so she orders her drinks and this man behind her is like, three coffee drinks for yourself? Like you must be from around here. You must really know this place. You must know the good coffee here. And she's like, why is he talking to me before I've had my three coffee drinks? And so she's just like, no, I'm not from around here. And goes back to doing what she's doing. And then he pursues a conversation with her even further. He says, oh, well, what are you doing here if you're not from around here? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm speaking at a conference. And the barista goes, yes, you're at this church, aren't you? And the girl goes, well, now he knows I'm speaking at a church, so I should probably try and smile a little bit. And so... So they end up talking and he asks her what event she's speaking at and she says she's speaking at this women's conference and uh, there's like 5,000 women coming to this thing and he was kind of shocked that he had not heard of this conference and she was like, well, I mean, it's a women's conference with 5,000 women but if you want to come, you're more than welcome to and, and he said, well, I'm, I'm an editor-in-chief at, at a local magazine, so I would love to hear more about this. Will you come and sit with me and have coffee with me and talk with me about this? And she begrudgingly does this, and she sits down with him, and they share coffee together. And then he asks her, have you, have you seen the Pope's report? And she's like, well, no, I, I have not seen the Pope's report. And he says, well, let me see your phone. And she says, well, we've already crossed every other appropriate coffee shop boundary, so just take my phone, here you go. And so he opens up this report from the Pope about the catacombs that they were excavating. 
And so through uh, this process of excavating the catacombs, uh, they found beautiful mosaics. They cleared all the rubber away to see the mosaics more. They were all over the walls and the ceilings. And this man is telling her about, about these mosaics and he says, they were mosaics of women. And he said, but the most beautiful thing was the women were standing there with their arms open and they were talking to people. He said, these women were priests. He was like, we've had women priests since before we've realized, since before we thought it was okay. They, they've been here this whole time. And he looks at her and he says, I can't help but think that you're one of those women. And here's the thing that I don't really like to admit to people much, but not including me, there are five pastors in my family and all five of those pastors are men. And it was not until 2011 when I came here and met Pastor Tina and Pastor Sharon did I know that this was something that a woman could and should do. It, it's a beautiful thing hearing the story about, about the catacombs being excavated and seeing these mosaic women and knowing there's been priests, women priests around for such a long time. But I think the even more beautiful thing is that I didn't need to excavate any catacombs to see that. I came here and you all told me that I could be one of those women. That is what you all do here, regardless of color or gender or background or experience. You all allow people to believe that they can be more than they ever thought they could be. I thank you for giving my sight back as Ananias did for Saul. And I thank you for showing me that I am one of those women. I thank you so much. But now I have to ask even more of you. Not for myself, but for those to come. I ask that you continue to be a church that believes in people that the world may not. I ask you to be a church that lifts up young people and gives them opportunities that the world may look past. I ask that you are a church that welcomes in the souls, even if they are not sure if they want to be here. I ask you to be a church that continues to give sight to the blind and ears to people who may not hear how much they are loved. A few months ago, I met with Pastor David as I was struggling with some things and I told him that I just, I hate messing up. I hate disappointing people. I hate letting people down. I hate not meeting expectations. And he said, Lauren, you're at a place in your life where you need to make big mistakes. You need to dream big and you need to fail big. And so I ask each and every one of you today to be a church that dreams big and fails big for the glory of the Lord. I believe that there are always many, many ways to connect with messages, but in here I've really found two. One is that, that you might be the church that is ready to believe in people that the world doesn't, to love on people that the world looks past. 
to volunteer more, to give more, to reach out more. Or you may also feel like a Saul. Some of you may feel blind to where the Lord is calling you, deaf to the good news that continuously falls on your ears. And if this is where you find yourself today, I wanna say that you are in the right place. Surrounded by a body of believers who sees you as the Lord sees you. And now it's time for you to see yourself as such. Today I want to thank you for assisting me in my growth. To see myself as the Lord sees me. I want to thank you for loving me and my family oh so well. I want to thank you for believing in me. For giving me opportunities to succeed and to fail. And for giving me opportunities to love you and your family. Thank you for sharing in life with me. And as Whitney Houston so beautifully put it, I will always love you. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you for this body of believers that is here in this room today and those joining online and those that were unable to make it. God, I thank you for a family that believes in one another, that loves one another and supports one another. I thank you for my time here at First Methodist Mansfield. I pray that as each of us continue to grow, we continue to see you new every day, to hear you louder, where you are calling us and how you are loving us, God. I pray that you continue to call us and we continue to have the courage to respond as disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. Amen.